So, okay, did anything fun happen this week? Um, Thank you, microphone, for raising to 94 when I had you at 95. Okay, uh, dear listeners, uh, we apologize this week. We are having some, there we go again, we are having some technical difficulties, and we're probably going to, there we go. Our volume will probably fluctuate, and you'll probably also be hearing static, um... We're looking into getting new mics because the ones we have are shit. Other than microphones being weird, what all is going on? We, uh, we put up a plant, or box, up a raised garden bed. We put a raised garden bed in the backyard. What are you going to put in it? Um, my grandma's got, like, uh, peppers growing and cabbage. Ooh, we got some cabbage, too. Yeah, she's going to add some more stuff. I don't remember what it was, but... That's good. That's really good. Yeah. Um, Dad was talking about planting more, and me and mm-hmm. Mom are looking on the deck like, where? <laughs> yeah. Because we can't put it in the ground because of the goats. Yeah. They, they're just, they're going crazy right now, eating everything. But, and another thing, we tried to go and get hay yesterday. No hay. The guy really? that we normally get from is completely out of hay. Well, everybody's getting uh, farm animals right now. Yeah. Everyone's getting animals right now. And that's something that I'm worried about is they're going to go back to work and suddenly realize they don't have time for these animals. And everything gets given away. Like, you got to make time for these animals even when you're working. Yeah. That's so why even my dad was thinking about getting chickens, and he's like, mm, we'll wait and decide next year. To be fair, chickens are pretty self-reliant. Give them food, yeah. give them water, collect eggs once a day. True, but we've got three cats and a dog. You would and need... our yard isn't super big, so, like, we had plans to build something, but... Even being on quarantine, I'm not sure that we would have the, with all the stuff that we're doing around the house, I don't think we would really have a good yeah. routine. You would, what you would need for chickens, you would need a covered coop with a covered mm. run. Yeah. So your cats can get in. Yeah, and we wanted to try to get one that we could, like, move around the yard. A chicken tractor. Yeah. And so my dad's been looking at a lot of stuff, but he's like, we're probably going to have to put that off till next year. Well, also, it's really hard to find chicks right now. Yeah, that too. Like, the tractor supply on Preston just got chicks in. They haven't had chicks for, like, two months. Jeez. Yeah, because I've been looking. Every time I go, I've been looking, because I still want more duckies. Oh, do you remember that, um, the picture of that duck that I sent you that 
landed in the um, the marigolds on somebody's oh, yeah. porch. They hatched. Aww. And Yay. then they all jumped off her deck and then went to the pond. Yes. They are really resilient little critters. Yeah, That's I saw why... a bunch of them jump right off the deck and land on concrete and just walk away. Yeah. That's why I kind of giggled when I saw someone post about, on one of the pages that I'm in for a farm and livestock, they're like, my chicken just laid some eggs and is sitting on the eggs and she's on like the second shelf in the coop. Do I need to move them? And I'm sitting here like, nope, nope. (laughs) You can make them a a little ramp if you want to, but nope. (laughs) They'll just jump right off as soon as they hatch. I mean, they're good as gold. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like, you know, um, really like popular podcasts where they live in like LA. Yeah. They talk about like TV shows and, um, yeah, you know, just stuff in LA or in about like movies and sets that they go to and stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. And... Here we in talk Kentucky, about gardens. <laughs> talk about gardens and, and farming. Yep, here it's in a niche, Kentucky. you know. Yes, yes, it is. It, but you know, people love animals and they love plants. So, all right, let's get into this. Yes. Um. Hi, everyone. I'm Rachel. That is Grace. I'm Grace. That is Rachel. Welcome to our podcast. We are Myths and Misfortunes. We're a paranormal and true crime podcast. Each week, we pick somewhere in the world and base our stories on that place. And or surrounding areas. All right. Where are we this week, Grace? We are in Peru. Peru? Yes. Oh, you did actually choose Peru. I was wondering if you would. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, Peru, uh, because I tried searching for things, um, in some other places that are in Rachel's story, but the one that, um, I actually found something long enough to do a story on was in Peru. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I feel like I could have found more if I could read Spanish, same. So Peru uh, didn't pick a specific place because it's Peru. I don't know. Yeah. It's just like when we did Greece. This that's just true. Yeah, we did not pick a specific place in Greece. We could have. We could have. My sources are yes, localhistories.org. <laughs> that's it. Okay, you got three pages from one story, or one story, one source. Mm-hmm. All right. I uh, cut it down from seven. So, Peru. This is a longer history than we have done in a little while, so... And see, I just condensed it down a lot because I did not want a long history. <laughs> well, here we are. So... By about 2500 BC, people in what is now Peru began farming, and in about, in about, by about 1800 BC, they were making pottery. Okay. The 
first South American civilization was the Chavin. Chavin? Sure. Yeah. Chavin. 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 I don't know. Um, apologies for everything I'm about to say. In, yeah, that was the first South American uh, civilization there. Yeah, they arose there in uh, about 900 BC. Mm-hmm. They were skilled architects, farmers, stonemasons, potters, weavers, and goldsmiths. They built uh, in both brick and stone, and their engineers were capable of building dams, reservoirs, and irrigation canals. However, the civilization disappeared by about 200 BC. Not quite sure why. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, In southeast Peru, another culture um, was the Mm, (laughs) Paracas. Um... They flourished between about 400 BC and 300 AD. They built a number of large settlements on artificial mounds. So later from about 100 BC to 700 AD, a culture called the Nazca, Nazca? Nazca, don't know, existed in Southeast Peru. They're famous for creating the Nazca lines, uh, which are patterns that like go all across the desert that are seen like from the air like Mm -hmm. they're best seen from the air and they include like shapes of animals like spiders and monkeys but nobody knows what they were really for oh the um the things that people blame aliens on yes yes okay instead of you know people who probably just wanted to make giant fucking pictures of monkeys or some shit yeah you Um, know the logical thing yeah Further north, a culture called the Mochica flourished from about 5 AD to 700 AD. They lived in coastal valleys north uh, in northern Peru. Like other Peruvian cultures, they were skilled farmers. Mm-hmm. They were goldsmiths, silversmiths, and potters. They also built pyramid temples. Ooh. Their greatest temple was the Temple of the Sun. Its base measured... 224 meters by 134 meters, and it stood 46 meters high. Damn, that's tall. Yeah, and it took at least 50 million adobe bricks to build the to build the temple. Yeah. Mm. Mhm. By mm-hmm. about 1000 AD, a race called Chimu created an empire. Chimu, I don't know. Okay. Uh, in northern Peru, the they worshipped the moon. Yes. Yeah. They Same. believed that the moon caused it to rain and also controlled thunder and lightning. I mean, it doesn't cause it, but I'm sure it doesn't help. Um, don't. Uh. Yeah. So okay. they, like all the others, were skilled potters and metal workers. Their craftsmen worked in gold and silver and also made blades of copper and bronze for tools. They also dug irrigation canals and built reservoirs. They were conquered by the Incas in about 1466. Mm-hmm. The Incas ruled in South America for a time, um, as everybody knows. In about 1300, the Incas founded their capital city of Cusco. Cusco! They were only a small tribe at the time, but they came to rule a vast empire including Mm -hmm. most of Peru, parts of Chile, Ecuador, Bolivia, and the northwest Argentina. The Incas were polytheists, which means they worshipped several different gods. The Mm -hmm. most important god was Inti, the sun god. They also worshipped, I should have looked this up, Kia? Kila? 
the moon goddess, who was the wife of the sun. They also worshipped Ilapa, the god of thunder, who controlled the rain. They had they had a bunch of priests and priestesses to serve the gods and temples throughout the empire, but these priests were also surgeons who performed simple operations. So, like, patients would chew on cocoa leaves to dull their pain, and then mm-hmm. the most insane thing, priests would bite the heads off of this specific type of ant, and they would use the jaws to clip cl- wounds closed. I wish you all could see my face. That I wish is... they could see my face because that is so fascinating. Like, I find I'm that sitting here thinking this is disgusting. Gross. I think that is so interesting. Like, I think it's cool as shit. Anyway, it's disgusting. I don't want ant heads used as stitches. <laughs> okay, well, this was this was a I long know. time ago, Rachel. I know, but it's still disgusting. I don't think it, I don't think it's that disgusting because I I think it's cool. Anyway, okay. Mo- moving on. The Inca Empire was destroyed by Spanish conquistadors. Um, conquistador Francisco Pizarro was head of the expedition to conquer Peru, and when he arrived, he executed the leader of the Incan Empire, um, which led to it falling apart. Mm-hmm. After the destruction of the Inca Empire, Peru became a Spanish viceroy. Viceroy? Viceroy? Vis. Vis. Viceroy. Vot. Sure. Mm. Visor? <laughs> no. Visor. Um. <laughs> I can't see the words you're trying to pronounce. <laughs> viceroy. The Spanish took much of the land in Peru and the natives were made to work on it. Other natives were made to work silver mines where they died by the thousands. Understandable. Yeah, on top of that, European diseases such as smallpox, um, which obviously they had never encountered before, so they had absolutely no immunity, no resistance whatsoever, and it decimated the natives. So the Spaniards ended up bringing in African slaves to replace them. The Spaniards also tried to convert the natives of Peru to Christianity. Don't they always? They always do. Yeah. British colonies in North America provided an example of how colonists could break free from their oppressors. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then news of the French Revolution reached Peru. And finally, the Spanish colonies in South America rebelled. In 1820, General José de... De San Martin landed on the coast of Peru with 5,000 Argentinian and Chilean soldiers. He occupied Lima and he declared Peruvian independence on 28th of July in 
Yeah. At the beginning of the 20th century, Peru prospered with exports of sugar and cotton uh, booming, as well as oil and rubber. More railways were built and factories opened, and the urban class in Peru grew, and in 1919, trade unions held two general strikes to demand an eight-hour day. However, the depression in the 1930s meant the demand for Peru's exports kind of took a downturn, and the country faced an economic crisis. Yeah. Uh, There was a redonkulous, redonkulous amount of coups nearly every single time somebody took power. Coups? Coups. There were coups. Coups. They were coups. Coups, coups. (laughs) They were coups, coups. Um, However, in 1968, the army staged another coup. General Juan Velasco took power, and the new government nationalized many industries in Peru and reformed agriculture. However, again, however, 1975, Peru was suffering from inflation, unemployment, and a a growing public debt. In August of 1975, General Francisco Morales Bermudez replaced Velasco in another coup. I told you. Everybody. However, in the 1980 elections for a president president were held. Mm -hmm. Um, And things kind of started getting better for there. Um, In 1992, Alberto Fujimori became president. He managed to tame the inflation... However, he resigned in November 2000. In 2009, the U.S.-Peru Trade Promotion Agreement came into effect, and the economy of Peru is steadily growing, and poverty seems to be declining, although there are some current setbacks with COVID-19 pandemic. Where every country is going to encounter that right now. Every country. Um, Every country. And that's Peru. Alrighty. There's well, a lot of uh, of good like um, tourist attractions there, but I'm not gonna recommend any because nobody can travel there right now. Yep. No traveling. Do not stay. I mean, stay safe, guys. Mm-hmm. Okay. So my story actually only partially takes place in Peru. It's like yeah. a very brief mention. Um, My story is about the monster of the Andes, and my sources are murderpedia.org, wikipedia, biography.com, thoughtco.com, vocal.media, rollingstone.com, historydaily.org, thesun.co.uk, serialkillershop.com, and a documentary that I started watching on YouTube that I had to stop watching because it made me super depressed. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. Okay, so... Let me just say really quick, Rachel told me that she did not want to continue writing this story because it was worse than the Green River Killer, so... <laughs> Should you like, do any warnings before this story? Oh, I was getting to okay, it. Okay, I yeah. just wanted to check... Yeah, I have it copy and pasted. It's, yeah, it's in here. Um, speaking of warnings, my story contains a brief mention of sexual assault that may be triggering for some, if not all, listeners. Uh, if this pertains to you, I recommend that you fast forward about 20 to 30 minutes to Grace's story, which I hope is 
a lot less depressing than mine. Oh yeah, no, there's uh, <clears throat> only one kind of sad thing, and it's probably I don't, probably not even real. It's fine. Okay, so Pedro Alonso Lopez was born October eighth, nineteen forty-eight, in Santa Isab- Isabel, Colombia, to Medardo Reyes and Benilda Lopez. Reyes was apparently a member of a right-wing party that subsequently got him killed oh. before Lopez was even born. In fact, his mother was only three months pregnant with him when his father was killed in La Violencia, which is described as an armed conflict of the era that would have repercussions for years to come. Pretty much a civil war. Yeah. So... You know, his life really is not starting out that great. Um, <laughs> that doesn't sound like it. Yeah. He was one of 13 children. In fact, he was right smack in the middle, being the seventh child. Ooh. Um, was he the seventh it, son of the seventh son? That I don't know, no. because his mother was a sex worker, mm-hmm. and he was the result of a client. Oh. So, there's not a whole lot of information okay. on his father. Yeah. Um, in fact, he later reported that his mother was often assaulted by her clients. Oh. So, and he and his brothers and sisters, unfortunately, got, like, full view of that. Oh, my God. He, yeah, he claimed that this severely damaged his psyche, which... Absolutely understandable. Fuck. Very, very understandable. Uh, according to his mother, Lopez was a polite boy and wanted to be a teacher when he got older. Hmm. That did not happen. Oh. At eight, his mother caught him fondling his younger sister and kicked him out of the house. In an interview with Lopez, he remembered that she had taken him to the edge of town and dropped him off. But he found his way home, and the next day she drove him 200 miles outside of town and dropped him off so that he could not come home. Holy shit. Yep. So very messed up family life, and the fact that, one, he did that. Two, his mother just dropped him off instead of trying to deal with it. Well, not deal with it, but, like, teach him... This is not right. You don't do that. Especially on top of that, like, he's consistently witnessing stuff like this. Yeah, so according to him... He probably thinks it's normal. Fuck. Exactly. Um, not that it is her fault. Not, no, I'm not, not that saying it's not that her at fault. All. Not that it was right. I'm saying that... Just that it could have been handled differently. Yeah. I definitely understand, like... being very upset i would be i would have been mortified at this like no you do not touch your sister like that you no okay anyway at this point uh very young lopez made his way to colombia's capital city bogota he became one of the many homeless children known as oof Oof. gamines (laughs) i think it's gamines i'm not sure Eventually, he joined a gang and began smoking basuco, which is a very impure form of cocaine. Ooh. 
yeah and keep in mind he's eight maybe nine um he's yeah, doing no. that at eight or at nine eight or nine. Oh, yeah wow um and things get a little bit worse get a little bit worse for him at one point an elderly man approached lopez feeling bad that such a young boy was cold and hungry on the streets he offered Lopez a safe home and good food to eat. Desperate and hungry, Lopez jumped at this opportunity and gladly went with the man. Mm. However, rather than going to a super comfy home, he was led to an abandoned building and repeatedly sodomized before returning to the streets. That is awful. This is all awful. Apparently, during the attack, Lopez vowed that he would do the same to as many little girls as he could. What the fuck? I cannot grasp this logic. Like, this is obviously painful to you. Why do you want to inflict that pain onto others? On top of the scarring that it is doing to you as a person. And also he that he is he's so young and he's... He, uh, and he's making uh, this decision to... Yeah. This is some sadist BS. I can't... You know what? I think it's probably in response... Like, it's probably anger towards his mother. We do or get to he, that. No, he's actually probably angry at his sister because of the fact that he got caught. And yeah. he's mad. That... Mm. Yeah, you're going into the psychology of this here. <laughs> All right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'll let after, you do your thing. <laughs> after being raped by the man, Lopez became super paranoid of strangers, as anyone would. Yeah. He hid during the day and would scavenge for food during the night, which, I mean, just really breaks my heart. No one should have to do that. No, that's an absolutely awful way to live. Apparently, it also touched the heart of an American couple who were visiting. They reached out to him and brought him into their home before enrolling him into a school for orphans at the age of 10. He was there for two years before, again, being molested, but this time by a male teacher. Shortly after that, he stole money from the school and ran away. Fuck, I would do. Bye. Yeah. He resorted back to begging and now petty thievery. As he got older, his petty thefts turned into car theft. Oh. Which he would then sell the stolen cars to chop shops, where he would get paid very well for it. He was arrested at 18, one source said 21, Hmm. um, and sent to prison for said car theft. After a few days of being there... He was gang-raped by four prisoners. Yeah. Yeah. What? Uh. Yep. Um, at this point, he vowed that he would never let himself be violated again. So this is six guys what who have raped fucking him. fucking nightmare. This, like, I feel so horrible for him. Up to this point. Up to a point, yeah. Up to this point. All of the anger he felt from his childhood 
and towards the two men who had done this to him previously. Sorry, um, when was this? Like... 19... Hold on. I hear the blender. <laughs> like, I know you said, like, when he was born. I can't, I just can't remember. He was born in 48. So it's probably uh, in the 60s. 50s, 60s, yeah. yeah six, uh, 60s, close to 70s. Yeah. No, 60s, yeah, 60s. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Do, 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 do. Where am I? Okay. All right, so. This is when all the fun stuff starts. Fun. He got his revenge against the oh. gang rapists. Oh, God. While still in jail, he made a makeshift shiv knife. And he could remember each of their faces. He hunted them down and killed three of the men while responsible and while he was still in jail. Holy shit. Sources say that authorities added two years to his sentence. Two um, years? Two years for the death of three men. Um, but ultimately, it was decided that this was done in self-defense. Yes. And actually, multiple sources agreed that he might not have actually served those two years. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Hey. During his time incarcerated, he had a lot of time to reflect on his past. And it was at this point that he began to resent his mother mm. for her sex work. While he resented it, he also began dealing with his sexual needs by looking through pornographic magazines. Now, between his mother, who was a sex worker, and all the pornography, mm. this is all that he knew about women. Right. And this fed into his weird hatred for him. Um, he blamed his mother for all of his suffering. And in turn, all women. Yeah. He actually at one Ugh. point said that he was not interested in older women. At all. Not even for his sexual needs. Not interested in older women at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lopez was released from prison in 1969 and moved to Peru. Mm. It is here that began discovering how much he really liked young girls. Oh, God. He would lure his victims to remote areas and would then rape, murder, and mutilate them Jesus. before dumping their bodies. He did a really good job avoiding capture. Really? Well, yeah, you did say he, he it was three separate places, so fuck, we gotta mm -hmm. go somewhere else. God damn. Um, we're still in Peru. He did a good job until he attempted to kidnap a nine-year-old from the Ayachucos community. Uh, the community is a tribal community. Mm-hmm. Thus, they began to submit him to tribal law. Oh. They tied him up, buried him up to his neck in sand, and covered his head in syrup so that ants would eat him alive. That's the best thing I've ever heard. 
Yeah, I wish I feel like they we should treat would've... all pedophiles like that. I think most people in prison think that you need to treat pedophiles like that. <laughs> Fuck. Like in all honesty. Um, however, here's the downside. An American missionary woman intervened and convinced them that the Peruvian police would handle his punishment. Fuck. (sighs) Americans, I swear to God. Mm -hmm. He was placed tied up in the back of the missionary's jeep and driven to the border of Colombia and then let go. Uh Uh-huh. Did Mm. not even take him to the police. This near-death did not deter his murderous ways, as you have so previously commented. We are now going somewhere else. He continued murdering and eventually made it, and eventually made his way to Ecuador, where many young girls began to go missing as well. Fuck. This increase in missing girls was noticed by authorities. However, they concluded that they had most likely been kidnapped by child peddlers and were being sold as sex slaves. Like, you know, that's better than the truth. With no like, help oh, we can't the- do anything about that. That's not, that's not on us. Yeah, that's not on us. With no help from the police, the families took matters into their own hands mm-hmm. by placing ads in their local newspapers. Suddenly, the police started to notice a pattern. In April of 1980, there was a massive flood that exposed and washed ashore the bodies of four murdered children. Holy shit. They had been strangled with such a ferocity. I'm not even sure that's the right word. But they were strangled, like, so hard that three of the girls had their eyes popped out of their sockets. Oh, my God. And the fourth girl, her eyes were frozen wide open in fear. That is the worst thing I've ever heard, and I kind of hate you a little bit. Mm-hmm. 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 At this point is when the Ecuadorian authorities realized that they had a serial killer on their hands. Darn. Had no mm. idea. So no weird. No idea. Not that, you know, a bunch of girls went missing. <sighs> Three days later, Lopez was captured while trying to ad- abduct the daughter from a local vendor of the Ambato region. Oh. Carlina Roman looked up and noticed her 10-year-old daughter walking off hand-in-hand hand with a strange man. Carlina let out a scream and her fellow market workers pounced on Lopez, getting him to unhand the girl and holding him down until the police arrived. Those are my favorite fucking stories. Like, when communities come together and they're like, no, fuck this guy. Like, police aren't helping. We gotta do something. Uh, mm. Well, and what's even worse is that the part of the documentary that I got to... Apparent this girl. I mean, this girl's back to her mother, so mm-hmm. she she lived. But apparently, this little girl she noticed he kept looking at her, and she kept saying to her mom, "Mom, this guy is looking at me. It's creeping me out." And he kept trying to talk to her, and you know they're all working, so they're not focused on their child who's helping them work. Yeah. And most young children, unfortunately, if offered 
pretty trinkets or candy, yeah. they instantly trust a person, which is like, what was it, last week's episode or the week before? I think it was the week before. The week before. Yeah. Like the episode from... Or maybe it was... Thank you. I knew I heard the blender. What is it? <laughs> a margarita, I think. Nice. Nope. Honey bourbon. Ooh. Honey bourbon lemonade. Ooh. Yes. Sounds nice. Okay. Um, like the episode from a couple weeks ago, don't take candy from strangers. Maybe that was last week. One of the episodes. The ones I can't we remember. Just did. <laughs> I can't remember either. They all blend together. Um, they, they really do. All right. Back on topic. Once he was in police custody, he initially refused to give any information to the authorities. However, we have a badass on our hands. Mm. Or a psychopath. Oh, okay. But but he's a badass for getting the truth to come out. Uh, Investigator, who's also a pastor, Mm. Cordova Gudino, went undercover as a fellow inmate. Oh. The investigator stated that for 27 hours, I put days. 27 <laughs> hours. <laughs> okay, 27 hours. I could be days. Okay. Either whatever. days or hours. <laughs> 27 days or hours. It might be days. He barely slept in fear that the man would strangle him in his sleep. Jeez. However, he earned Lopez's trust by pretending that he too was a rapist. Fuck. Lopez then bragged about his murders in Ecuador, Colombia, and Peru. Oh. He was also able to gain details regarding the burial sites for some of the girls, which Lopez then took investigators to. Which, I know I mentioned this a little bit later, but on one of those investigations, he is truly a psychopath, and he stood there and held a skull up and posed with it. Sorry, who did? Mr. Lopez. The guy? Mr. Serial the, killer the pastor? Guy. No, not oh, the, the pastor. The Lopez. Lopez. Lopez, okay, okay, yeah. Okay. Hold on. I got him confused for a second. I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> no. No, no, no. The serial killer. Um, <clears throat> according to authorities, his memory of the crimes committed were very clear. Oh. Lopez would apparently walk the streets and markets, we're, sorry, backtracking, looking for girls who had a certain look on their face of innocence and beauty. That's gross. That's just absolutely fucking disgusting. Yes, it is. This next part is also disgusting. He claimed that they were always good girls, working with their mothers. Mm. He would follow them for days, waiting for the moment that the girl would be left alone. He then would give her a pretty shiny trinket and ask her to follow him to the edge of town so that he could give her one to take back to her mother. Oh my god. He would also often follow tourists, claiming that he wanted to take their beautiful blonde daughters. However, their parents were too watchful over them. Mm-hmm. His favorites were the young Ecuadorian girls because they were more gentle and trusting and much more innocent. Ew. 
Mm-hmm. Yep, I put this in the wrong spot. Copy, paste. So it's clearly like um, a revenge... <clears throat> Ooh, fuck. So it's clearly like a revenge fantasy, but he can't get to his own mother and sister because... So he's basically just sort of reliving that moment over and over again in order to get revenge on his mother, but it's not his mother. <sighs> yeah. <sighs> he would bring the girls to already prepared grave sites, which sometimes would even have the bodies of previous victims in them. Holy shit. I mean, you did say that he watched them for multiple days, so he would already ha And he would have a certain kill site that he would probably go back to. Fuck. He had multiples all across every country. Fuck. Mm-hmm. When the young girl would be understandably upset and distressed, he would then hold her and comfort her with soft, reassuring words all night the way that a parent would. What the fuck? You're not gonna like this part. No, Because I don't, I don't like this part. At sunrise, he would then rape and strangle the girls until the light went out of their eyes. What the fuck? His exact words were, At the first sign of light, I would get excited. I would force the girl into sex and put my hands around her throat. When the sun rose, I would strangle her. He claimed that the girls never screamed because they never expected anything to happen to them. Why would they? He also claimed to have never killed at night because he could not see his, victim, uh, his victim's eyes. And without that element, the murder was a waste to him. So he just liked to see these little girls dying. That is what did it for him. He's a monster. I'm trying to think of I like this right about here is when I texted you Grace I hate this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I totally understand that. Um Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. We're almost done. Okay. You're not gonna like the ending. Lopez claimed that it took about 5 to 15 minutes before the girls were gone. Fuck. He would then carefully spend his time and make sure that they were no longer alive. He considered himself to be considerate uh, because of this. Mm. He would take a mirror and check to see if they were breathing. He would even take and slit their wrists and throats to see if the blood was still pumping. What the fuck? If it was, he would then finish them off. Apparently, sometimes he would have to do this. He also... Hmm. He also told one psychiatrist, you know, long after the fact, mm -hmm. that he thought he was saving the girls from a life of poverty by killing them. Mm-hmm. This is... Um, he would then play with the bodies of the girls, acting out tea parties and other morbid games. What? He would prop them up in the graves that he had dug and talk to them. What? He even convinced himself that they liked this company. 
there. What? Mm hmm. When he grew bored because the bodies were no longer able to move, he would then go off for his next victim. Mm hmm. As more and more of this information um, came to light, the public named him the Monster of the Andes. Uh huh. Which is now super understandable. Yeah. Um, what the absolute fuck? Yeah. With all of this information, police unearthed roughly 57 bodies. Oh my god. That, along with his confession, allowed authorities to charge Lopez with 110 murders. Oh my god. Although... He claimed to have killed over 200 more in both Peru and Colombia. 100 each. One other side note to just help with this, he's a psycho. During his trial, he told the judge that he felt like God when he killed people. On July 31st, 1981, he pled guilty to the murder of the 57 girls whose bodies were discovered. And he was imprisoned in Ambato, where he was then officially diagnosed as a sociopath. Really? Yeah, no shit. Fuck. However, however, mm. however, Ecuador had a very lax minimum sentence of only 16 years. What? No death penalty at all. And today, the max sentence is only 25 years. What? This makes it the best country for serial killers and the citizens are trying to get this changed and i really yeah. hope they get this changed um yeah he was released from prison on august 31st 1994 two years early for good behavior he was then deported to colombia where authorities attempted to convict him of the two decade year old murders yeah Unfortunately, he was declared insane, and in 1995, he was institutionalized in a psychiatric facility. That's kind of good. Nope. Three years later, the psycho was declared sane. No! And released no. February of 1998 with a $50 bail. No! Uh-huh. I do have to point out that during his prison stay, he was in a heavily, heavily armed area, but not because he was dangerous, but because of the fact that the families of these little girls were offering a ton of money, dollar, yeah. $25,000 dollar reward for anyone who would kill him. Fuck yeah. What the yeah. fuck? Yeah. When he was released from this institution, uh, literally right after New Year's, like midnight New Year's of 1999, he was driven to the Columbia border, followed by two escort vehicles who were protecting him from any potential attacks. He was given a bottle of water, new shoes, a shirt and pants, a small amount of Colombian pesos, and some food and was then set free. He was told that he was being deported because he did not have a visa to stay within the country. However, a week later, authorities found him back in Ecuador 
and again released him back to Colombia, telling him never to return. He visited his elderly mother and asked for his inheritance. <laughs> what? <laughs> Upon being informed that she was living in poverty and had no inheritance for him, he sold her only bed and chair to people on the streets and then disappeared again to never be seen. However, it is suspected that he has a possible connection to a murder in 2002. Ooh. He has not been found Aww. as of 2020. But also, Grace, he never showed any remorse for any of the crimes he committed, like, at all. And a Sorry, my entire left side just got cold. Whoever is visiting me, hi. Um, yeah, no. He never showed any remorse whatsoever. And <sighs> here's another thing. He could still be alive today. He would be in his 70s, hopefully not able to actually kill anyone, but he could still be out there and dangerous to people. Also, he is one of the most prolific serial killers, even being named the most prolific serial killer in 2006 by Guinness World Records, which was then removed because it made a competition of murder, and we really don't need more of those. Yep. 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 And that is my extremely unsatisfying, very angering story of the monster of the Andes because he is a pedo and deserves everything that is coming to him. I didn't like that. Mm -hmm. um, so what's your story that's going to help this? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I need something to ease the anger. Okay, 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 okay. So, moving on from that disgusting piece uh -huh. of shit. Uh-huh. Um, like, I didn't think it was gonna be that bad when I picked it, and then it got progressively worse. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, it's really hard. It was, re it was really hard to find a story. It was really hard. I tried um, to help. <laughs> you did. Um, and I did end up using one of the ones that you sent me. Oh, good. Which one? Um, Chuya Chucky. I did not read that one. I was hoping you were going to go with the uh, La Gringa. Oh, no. I didn't even look it no. up. <laughs> no, I, it's the one that I told you could, could you could connect it to the woman in white. I know, but I saw this one and I saw... I found some interesting stuff, and I was like, I like it. Let's do it. Okay. So, um, Choyachaki. My sources are Wikipedia, Rainforest Cruises, Ethos <laughs> Times, Ku... You said Ethos Times? No. Ikito. 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 Okay. Uh... Kurtravel.com, fieldprojects.org, Wikipedia, uh, singingtotheplants.com, and <laughs> kuzcoeats.com. Kuzco! Um, okay. So, Chuya Chucky, uh, Chuya meaning uneven, and Chucky meaning foot. <laughs> uneven foot. Okay. Um, 
It's also called the Shapishiko. Which means also uneven I don't know. foot. I looked uneven it up. I couldn't find okay. it. I don't know. I even looked up how to pronounce it. I mean, it's it looked, I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure it's probably like shapeshifter or something. I don't know. Okay. So, what is it? Oh my god, I went up again. I didn't hear that one. Okay. Well, it's fine. So, okay. it is a forest creature that lives in the Peruvian and Brazilian Amazonian jungle. Oh. Some people say that the creature is a demon, a goblin, a dwarf, etc., um, others think of it as a, uh, sort of spirit or a protector of the jungle. Okay. So, before we get into what this creature does, let's talk about what it looks like. The Toyotaki's true form is typically described by those who have seen it as a short man, about three mm-hmm. feet tall, uh, wears a large hat that hides his face, which is supposed to be really wrinkly, with a large nose, pointed ears, and red eyes. It's a gnome. (laughs) (laughs) He's usually dressed in dirty old clothing and walks with an uneven gait and is kind of hunched over. Um, Some say that he wears large red shoes and red pants. It sounds like a gnome. Um, (laughs) The most important thing, though, is the feet. This is why Chuya feet. No. Chucky. Chucky. Chucky means feet. Jeez. Um... So, one foot is always different from the other. So they have, you know, one human foot, and the other is either um, smaller or larger or turned backwards, or in the fo- in the form of some sort of like animal's foot or hoof. Usually, I was wondering where you're going with that. <laughs> yeah, usually uh, that of a deer, a goat, turtle, or a rooster. Okay. So, interesting. So, what does it do? The Choyotaki seems to be a mixture of guardian and trickster all in one. Um, Loki. Sure. And it <sighs> instills deep respect in locals and visitors. Some Not Loki. Not Loki. Some consider it to be a forest spirit who guards the lands and the animals and punishes those who disrespect the forest. Local legends suggest that the Choyachaki is member of an older species, one that lived there long before humans. Mm-hmm. They don't really seem interested in humans and tend to keep their distance, but they live fairly close to humans and have their own gardens and fields that they tend to. Aww. So on Aww. the off chance that a human gets too close to their gardens, they might attack or put a spell on the human. Understandably, because humans are pretty destructive. (laughs) Well, here's the other thing, though. I guess they can't reproduce with their own kind, because they also sometimes steal a human child and raise it as their own, or they lure humans into a trap for mating purposes. So once a human is stolen by the Choyachaki, it becomes one of them. Okay. Yeah. A lot of stories suggest the Choyachaki will take on the form of someone or something else. Such as? It transforms into loved ones, or if you're a hunter, a prey animal, in order to lure the unsuspecting victim down a false path, which leads okay. them further and deeper into the jungle, and then it dis- it just disappears. 
leaving people and that's like, when it gets you no <laughs> most of the time <laughs> it just leaves people disoriented and lost to the point yeah. that even really experienced trackers can't find their way back some say that it's a childlike spirit because it likes to kidnap children just to mess with them but without <laughs> doing any harm <laughs> just kidnapping you to have a little fun that's yeah all. i'm just gonna get you lost in the forest you're not gonna know where to go you're probably gonna starve to death ha <laughs> <laughs> um others say he entrances the children uh with the intent of destroying and eating them no yeah for children the choyutaki will often take the form of another child or a playmate drawing mm. the child in and then leading them deep into the jungle and then leaving them lost and afraid <laughs> yep the only way to avoid this child or adult um, is to keep an eye on your companions or anyone that you encounter, uh, especially if you're in the forest. Um, a Choyutaki will always do his best to keep their feet and their true identity hidden. So if they're found out, they will escape into the jungle. So you always have to keep an eye on people's feet. Yeah. How? How? Well, I mean, if you're like walking, just with in some... case their foot decides to turn backwards while they're mid stride. No, no, you will see it. Like you will instantly see it. The only way that they could probably hide it is by wearing like a giant boot. I don't know. That's why they oh. wear. That's why it said that they wear like the giant red shoes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. They wear their Ronald McDonald shoes. Sure. Gotcha. Um. So when it comes to the protector idea, it's considered to be guardian of the Choyachucky Caspi tree, which is regarded as a deeply spiritual tree in Amazonian shamanism, which okay. I suggest you look into because it was really, really fascinating. I went on a deep dive and I found out about it. Um, and you went into the abyss. <laughs> I did. I tried to find out as much as I could about it. So, um, the Choyutaki Caspi tree's spiritual purpose is to support a uh, dietero to connect with the deep intelligence of the earth. A dietero mm-hmm. is, they practice dieta. I'm not sure if I'm saying that correctly. That's what which the is... internet told me. So dieta is the traditional method by which students learn the plant medicines of the Amazon jungle. Ah, Okay. So, um, this process is undertaken by serious students of the plant medicines who want to learn more. Um, during this process, the student stays in isolation for the duration of their time in order to focus completely on learning the plants while often fasting. So, the tree and Choyachaki acts as a kind of guardian, guiding and protecting the student to discover the wisdom of the forest and all the other, like, master plants that they can learn from. Okay. The tree is also known to have grounding properties and can significantly settle the mind by bringing the spirit and body into a deep union with nature. So, it's a drug. No. No? So, okay. I'll, I'll explain. The shamanic idea of Choyichaki Capsi is said to be one of the most challenging with reports of many dieteros suffering physical injuries or going temporarily insane during their dieta, and in some rare cases, death. Um, but I'm still hearing a drug look, here. <laughs> the, no, the tree has a lot of medicinal properties. The, red, the resin can be used to heal wounds and cuts when it's made into a poultice. 
and okay. like when it's rubbed directly on the skin. Um, the bark can also help to heal psoriasis um, and other skin conditions when it's grated, boiled, and then administered in a steam bath. Okay. So basically it's like a shamanic, um, kind of like a, a ritual that they use so that they can, um, they also do it with, uh, stuff like ayahuasca and stuff like that too, but it's not the same. It's different for every plant. Okay. Okay. I don't, I'm doing really, this is why you should look it up. This is why you should okay, look it up. Okay, I'll, I'll look it it's up. It's so you'll, interesting. You'll, just send me the spelling and I'll look it up. Okay. So, um, back to the Toyotaki creature. So, um, Peruvian poet Cesar Calvo described the Choyotaki as creations of shamans who craft them from abducted children that have been lured into the forest. It said... I was going to say Tulpa, but... <laughs> Yeah. It's said that if a kidnapped child is charged with evil powers, the right foot becomes deformed, self-contradictory. An animal foot when the chayutaki is in human form, and a human foot when in animal form. Well, that's weird. Yeah. Okay. I didn't find a lot to suggest that that's a popular theory, that shamans turn kidnapped children into anything. But I thought it was interesting, so I added it. But also, how if, how often does it go from human form to animal form? Anytime and because I thought it was somebody. just like a gnome thing. Oh, okay. Um, sometimes it'll um, people say that like it comes out in its true form. It's not always um, pretending to be somebody else. Um, <laughs> okay. In some cases, when it's in its true form, it prowls the jungle in like tattered clothing, waving its fists and itching for a fight. It's like, fight me, you coward. <laughs> um, in this case, the local indigenous people believe that you have to accept his challenge and you have to beat him, but you have to beat him so he'll show you all of the ritual, the riches, the riches that he has hidden in the jungle. If you decline the challenge of a fight, you'll be cursed with bad luck. So you'll right. lose the ability to... So Fight or be internally cast with bad luck. Yes. yes. So, like, you'll lose the ability to hunt, lose all of your friends, gain a bunch of enemies, your spouse will leave you for someone else, among other things. Um, there seem, like, it seems like a lot of people have personal stories about the Choyotaki, but not a lot of them are shared in, like, real detail. Yeah. Most mentioned how they were minding their own business when a familiar person showed up. And they're, like, gesturing, like, you should follow me. And so they follow him. But after a while, that familiar person will have disappeared. And they'll realize that they've been led to a place in the middle of the jungle that they don't know. So. Yeah. Most of them are like that. Sure, they, I'm and they just were... follow someone into the jungle. Well, I mean, if it's somebody that you know, you're like, oh, hey, yeah, what do you need? You know? Not without you saying, hey, come here. If you're just gesturing, I'll be like, nah, I'm good. I mean, I don't know that they don't talk, but they they might. I don't know. So Can they disguise their voices? I did I don't know. I could I didn't find anything that said that they did, but uh I did find like one or two stories of what's well, one story that's thought to be a first hand account and one that's supposed to be like a I guess a well known story. Okay. So which one do you want to hear first? 
Um, well known. Or whichever way you have written out. Hmm. Well, you know what? I'll just start with that one. (laughs) So, in September of 2007, an experienced jungle guide, an experienced jungle guide, was walking, was taking, I I can't talk. He was walking, Um, okay. An experienced jungle guide was taking 10 tourists for a day in the rainforest. The plan was to go to the Pilbintuasi butterfly farm. Yep. Okay. At the village of Padre Cocha, and from there, uh, walk three miles or so through the jungle to visit the Borea Indians in the village of San, San Andres. San Andres? Andres. Okay. <laughs> uh, after walking for about 40 minutes, the group came to a small clearing, um, out of which led three paths. Although experienced, somehow the guide was confused and was wondering which path to take. Out of what? Yeah. Out of nowhere, a boy about 10 years old appeared, and the guide asked the boy which way, which path led to San Andres, and the boy told the guide that he came from that village and he would take him there. So the boy led the way, Sketchy. and after about another hour, they came to another clearing with several paths leading from it. The guide turned to the boy to ask him which was the correct path, but the boy had disappeared. <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. Still sketchy. <clears throat> yeah. So the group continued on what they thought was the right path for another three hours or so. Eventually, they realized they were going the wrong direction, but rather than turn back, the guide led them on, and eventually they came to a village. Okay. They were about three miles upstream from San Andres, and it was like 9 p.m. <clears throat> So they've been walking all the That was a day. long hike. Yeah. So they managed to hitch a ride on a passing river taxi and found their original uh, boat waiting for them at San Andres. On the river taxi, the guide told the other passengers what had happened and about the little boy. And the passengers laughed and said it wasn't a little boy, but it was the Choyachaki. Like just trying to mess you up. I don't know like, about the sh- validity of this though. Like I'm wondering if the guide wasn't someone who had lived there long or what, because it seems like a guide, an experienced one at that, yeah. someone whose job it is to take people through a forest would use the same path every time. And you would, would think, yeah, and you would also think they would know about the Choyaki, so wouldn't have to be told about it. So you know that story, eh? Eh. Okay, what's the other one? Okay, so the more other interesting-ish story. (laughs) The more other interesting. Um, it's, it's a little weird. I think it was originally written in a different language and then translated to English, so it, it, eh, it's interesting. So, okay, um, once there were some soldiers who didn't show up to a meeting of some sort, and the punishment was to harvest corn from the fields. On the way to the cornfields, they were joking around, and they sat down to rest. They eventually started working around midday, and when it started to get a little dark, something called out to one of the soldiers. So I guess it Mm -hmm. does talk. But does it talk in its own voice, or can it mimic the other voice, too? I don't know. (laughs) He walked towards whatever had called him, and when he was quite a ways down the road, one of the other soldiers called out to him and was like, dude, what are you doing? Uh, he 
well, I don't know, shook off whatever was calling for him, and he walked back to the others, and they started to walk the corn back up the mountain towards they were where they were supposed to go. Okay. The soldier that was behind the others got tired from the climb, and his sack of corn became heavier than normal. Suddenly, he fell down from the weight and got back up to keep walking, picked up the sack, which seemed lighter than just a second ago. And this happened two more times when one of the other soldiers turned back to check on him and saw a small man with odd feet and a wrinkled face playing on top of the sack the soldier oh my god oh my god he's just piggybacking the soldier (laughs) yeah so when the toyotaki realized that he was being watched he bolted somehow the story gets weirder um (laughs) so the toyotaki stole one of the soldier's children what yeah And then the soldiers became impatient and asked the older people of the community what to do. They told the soldiers that there was a place in the mountains where the Choyotucky kept people, I guess. I don't know. And they said... Just hoarding people. That's fine. Yeah. We're just going to hoard them. They said it would be easy to find the child, but hard to get into the place where it was being held. There's a secret password. No. After a lot of obstacles, they arrived at the place where the child was, which was surrounded by thorns. Oh. Unfortunately, the child was already dead. Yeah. No. After making payments to the earth and performing rituals, they were able to drive out the Choyuchucky. Isn't that a weird fucking story? That, yeah. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, there are a bunch of weird stories everywhere, so, but I just, I think there were just some things that were lost in translation. Yeah, that, yeah, that's why I didn't find as much online, yeah. lost in translation. Um, like in Encrypted, obviously there's a lot of variation in folklore. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, historically, the Choyotaki appears to have been a mix between a trickster and spiritual being. As time passes, it seems to represent, like, a defender of the rainforest, which are being encroached upon by loggers, poachers, and miners. So, yeah. Yeah. For instance, Carlos Fitzgerald, Fitzgerald, Jesus, Fitzcarald, a Peruvian rubber baron from the late 1800s, who locals literally call the killer of thousands of natives due to his exploitation of native workers. He forced, Uh, yeah, he forced native workers um, under the pain of death to dismantle and transport a fucking ship over a mountain. Yeah. So... Why? Why? Why do you need to, why? Because it was hard to get it to where he needed to to be. So, his expeditions into the Madre de Dios region are considered to be the root of modern day divide between the local Yine and Mashko Piro peoples. Okay. So the Yine are supposed to be descendants of the natives that he forced to work for him, and the Mashko Mashcho are the de- descendants of the natives that fled following his arrival. Um, Cesar Calvo, that poet from before, yeah, he alleged that Fitzcarald was murdered by a Chuyachaki who impersonated him in order to give the orders that seared his boat into a whirlpool where he drowned. Okay. <laughs> in the folklore of uh, Brazilian Amazon, the Chuyachaki goes by a different name. The Churupira. Churupira. Kurupira. I added an H. There isn't an H. <laughs> the Kurupira. Kuru. 
Kurupira. So, the Kurupira is a creature with European and West African influences. According to the legend, it's a red-haired dwarf with his feet turned backwards that inhabits the rainforests of Brazil. In most versions of the myth, he um, rides around on a pig and makes high-pitched <laughs> whistling sound, which can drive his victims to madness. I mean... He's said to be a garden, guardian of the forest, preying on hunters that take more than what they need. And he confuses his victims by placing traps and confusing, um, and leaving tracks with his backwards feet. Yeah. Okay. Legend... I can't, I can't get behind right, this. Right, right. So legend goes that if being chased by a Kurupira, one should leave a tied knot in a vine, which will distract him. So, like, he'll have... It's Why? like an, um... What oh, like with fairies yeah, and you putting drop, like, rice stuff out and, yeah, and yeah, they yeah. have to count it? Okay. So it's like that. Uh, in some places, hunters ask the Kurupira for permission before going out hunting. Which, oh. and all, so all of this reminds me of that story I did, the Chenekes. Oh, yeah. Where was it? Yeah. Uh, what? Oh, was it was it Mexico. Mexico. Hey! The, yeah, Chenekes and Alushas. But yeah, that's my story. They, it really reminded me of those because the Chinekes, their feet are backwards too. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know their... Did you mention that their feet were backwards? Yeah. Oh, well. It was just... Been, it's been a while. It's Yeah, it's been a while. Wow. Okay. Um. So yeah, um, if you're out in the forest in Peru or Brazil, watch your back because uh, your friend might not be really your friend. I don't know. Watch the feet. <laughs> your friend might not be your friend. Watch your feet. Yes. Watch the feet. Watch your feet. I don't know. <laughs> I don't, don't think watch you need to feet. watch your own I don't mean watch feet, your feet. Watch but... their feet. Watch all the feet. Not your feet. Their watch... feet. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, if you enjoyed that, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Myths and Misfortunes. Or Twitter at Myths and Misfortune. Or you can search for us using our full name, Myths and Misfortunes. We do pop up. You can also send us an email to mythsandmisfortunes at gmail.com. Our music was composed by McKean Fulbright and our art was created by Heather Marie Atkins. Their websites can be found in the description below. Please rate, review, subscribe, email all us. All that jazz. Do all yes. of it. And if you would like to um, help us get new microphones, we should be having a Patreon here Pretty in just soon. a few minutes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, um, thanks so much yeah. for listening, guys. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.